Okay, guys and girls, welcome to the Rest of Us Tennis Podcast. College women's tennis, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to focus on, we're going to talk about all of it, women's tennis in general, college women's tennis. But we're going to focus quite a bit on those lower tier Power 5 programs, especially the mid-major programs, and the rest. So why this podcast? What kind of gap are we trying to fill? To be honest, um, there's not really a gap. Uh, there's a huge hole. There's not much coverage within the podcast community as it relates to um, college women's tennis. There's a couple of guys you know, who, who do cover college tennis. Most of it is kind of slanted towards a men's tennis. And um, when they do cover women's tennis... That's the usual suspects, how good North Carolina is, Texas, Pepperdine, North Carolina State. I want to talk about the rest of us. There's plenty of great mid-major programs. There's great lower-tier Power 5 programs. And even the smaller Division 1 programs, there's some great coaches, some great battles going on out there. So what's the reason for this podcast? You know, you could make an argument that I'm promoting women's college tennis. I mean, you could make an argument that I'm promoting women's sports. You know, um, talking about Olympic sports, talking about mid-major Olympic sports. Bottom line is, I want it to be something different. You know, I, I want to get in the weeds. Um, we're going to, bulk of this podcast is going to be about results. We're going to look at some results that jump off the page. Teams making a move, making a run at it, much improved teams, teams who are struggling, especially when the mid-major battles go on or when the mid-majors play against some of those power fives. Um, Bottom line is, worst case, you're going to listen to someone talk on for 20, 30 minutes. But trust me, it will be unfiltered. It will be unfiltered. Hopefully the quality gets better as we move along. Um, but you will definitely get something different by, lif- by listening to this podcast. Okay, let me give you the structure and flow of this po- podcast. It's going to be broken up into three segments. Segment one will be whatever breaking news there is or some interesting news or just my take on some random tennis topic. Segment two will be the results of a previous view- previous week. Up until Sunday night, each Monday, I'll look at all the previous week's results, pick out a couple, cover a couple of them, one a, a few of them who kind of jump off the page. But there will be more of a focus on the mid-majors and those lower-tier Power Fives. But having said that, I'll cover all of it, you know, the top teams as well. And then segment three, depending on how much time is left, I'd like to do some conference breakdowns cover every single conference within Division 1, how they're shaping up, who are the favorites, who's looking good within conference play. Because these conference tournaments at the end of the year for mid-major programs, they carry a lot of weight. Because most most teams, most of those mid-majors, they will not get a at-large bid being top 35, 40 in the nation. Therefore, they are always building towards the conference tournaments. Okay, let me get started. Segment one, some news. I think some great news is 
Diana Schneider, a freshman at North Carolina State. I'm glancing at the TV over here. She just lost second round of the Australian Open. What a phenomenal performance. 110 in the world, and she's probably moving up as we speak. Um, she's got some decisions to be made. Or there are some decisions to be made. Will she come back to play for North Carolina State? I can bet you that coach is worried. That's going to be a tough decision, you know, on a serious note. Um, 110 in the world, probably top 100. I don't know what the paycheck is for second round, probably around $140,000. But it will be interesting to see what she decides. Um, that will be tough on North Carolina if she decides to turn pro, because that's most likely a team who can win it all. But phenomenal accomplishment, and it's been great to watch her progress throughout the fall as a collegiate tennis player. My take, interesting topic. Um, as I was glancing through the results of the first weekend up until January 15th, Sunday, January 15th, I saw that a lot of the top Power 5 programs were not in action. I was thinking maybe they got a late start, but then um, after looking into it, it seemed like they decided to play some hidden dual matches for example, there was the Miami Spring Invite, a bunch of top teams over there. You had the UNLV Classic, looked like Florida, Stanford, UCLA, those teams were there. You had the Duel in the Desert, the Michigan Invite with a bunch of top teams. What great value for those Power 5 programs. Great opportunity, first weekend of the year, to shake off some rust, some of that December rust. They get some top-notch match play without the pressure of really winning. Nice little preseason camp. Great, te great team-building opportunity. My point I'm trying to illustrate over here um, early on, and you'll probably see me circle back to it quite a bit because I think it's a topic that we cannot stick our head in the stands with, is the great divide happening between Power 5 programs and mid-major programs. Obviously, um, those teams who played these hidden dual matches first weekend of a season, you know, all of that's possible because they have the resources available. Uh, the rest of us, you can see what I'm doing, I'm playing on my podcast name. The rest of us have to jump straight into it and kind of play ourselves back into shape. Um, but it is what it is. You know, and, 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 and that's something that's getting wider and wider each year with cost of attendance, with NIL. And it's interesting to see if this is going to be sustainable. On a side note, uh, a funny note, or I thought it was funny, I saw Duke played three matches this past weekend. And I thought, oh, whoa, look at this. You know, maybe they bypassed the preseason camp. But after doing some research... Um, from their website, I see that they had a seven-day bonding trip down in Florida. So, you know, great luxury for the Power Five teams, you know. But but it is what it is, and the rest of us will just have to adapt and overcome. That's it for segment one. Let's go straight into segment two over here, and this is what the bulk of this podcast is about: results of the previous week. 
like I said, there's so many matches being played. I'll scan over all of them, and then I'll take about five to seven interesting results. We'll talk about them a little bit about the teams. Um, once again, I'll cover all of it, the top teams, but but. I'm really interested in those mid-major battles. I'm interested when those mid-major teams play against those lower-tier Power 5 programs um, and, and even the lower-tier Division 1 programs. I want, to, I want to try and cover it all so it's not just talking about the same old top two, three teams on top of the pile. First result, and this was actually the first match of the year, January 12th, it was ETSU against Hawaii. ETSU won that match 5-2. Now, ETSU is a typical mid-major team that I love to follow. they in the SOCON. That's a tough mid-major team. Yeah, um, I won't be surprised this year if they challenge Furman quite a bit um, within the SOCON. But for a long time now, I mean, 10, 15 years, it seems like ETSU always has a real competitive program. And... Great for them. I mean, um, I'm, I'm excited to see a team like that have the resources to go out to Hawaii. What a great experience for the girls on that team. And they picked up a good quality win against Hawaii. Um, not to get too much of topic over here, but Hawaii is also one of those interesting teams. Once again, I do, know, I do not know what their resources and infrastructure is like. Uh, Trust me, as a mid-major coach, I know how difficult recruiting is. But something always, what bothers me about Hawaii, I don't understand that they're not better. You would think that they'd be able to recruit some high-level talent over there. Now, don't get me wrong, they've had some good teams in the past, but it just always seems like they should and could be a lot better than what they sometimes are. Second... Second team or second result, Florida Gulf Coast. They in the A-Sun. They beat up on St. John's 5-2. And then they had a close win against MTSU. Florida Gulf Coast, one of those teams as well. Typical mid-major team. Good, solid talent as a mid-major. They in the A-Sun. The A-Sun is a sneaky good conference. They got North Florida in there. That's tough. They got Stetson, who's tough. Liberty, that's actually one of the teams I'm going to talk about um, in that conference. But Florida Gulf Coast, good solid talent for a mid-major. They got the coach, Courtney, who does a great job. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, I, I always think, yeah, those Florida teams, they tough in Florida. You just need to get them out of Florida. Well, I got them out of Florida last year and they beat up on us on our home courts. So that's a good mid-major team over there. And I'm Curious always to see how their season's going to play out. Next good mid-major matchup, the first weekend of the year. FIU defeats Liberty 4-3. Looks like it was a real close match. FIU is tough. I actually saw them last year at NCAAs. They were at the same side as us. They lost a close match against Florida State. Probably a match they should have won. Got a lot of talent on that team. You know, once again, down in Miami, you know, you would think they should get talent, and they do get talent. They don't just compete within their conference, but they actually one of those mid-major teams who compete at a national level. Uh, winning at close match over Liberty, Coach Jeff Marin used to be at North Texas, been at Liberty for quite a while. 
does a great job over there as a team that competes extremely hard. Next one, Old Dominion defeats Penn State 5-2. Now, that's not an upset in my opinion based off the last couple of years. Coach Dom Manila at ODU has been playing, has his team playing at a very high level the last couple of years. They actually joined the Sun Belt. So, um, being a Sun Belt coach, I'm not too excited about that. And that's going to be one hell of a challenge upcoming this year. Um, but they basically, it seems like they run things as a Power 5 program. So, not a huge upset that they beat Penn State. Penn State, one of those lower tier Power 5 programs at the moment. I'm sure they're trying to elevate the level over there. But that's a tough loss for them. Because those are the kind of matches they have to win early in the year to build a ranking. Because once they get into conference play, it's difficult to pick up wins within that conference. Unless things line up ranking-wise, etc. Um, next one, Purdue defeat Memphis 4-3. That's a good one for Purdue. And that's an important one for Purdue. Because just like Penn State, they're in a tough conference. Um, they got to get these wins. And Memphis is a quality win. Last year, Memphis won the American Atlantic 20-7 record. Um, I actually know a bunch of the players on that team. That's a good, solid win for Purdue early in the year. Next one. This one is very interesting. Um, Mississippi State beat UAB 6-1. Don't let the scoreline fool you. That was a tough match. UAB actually took the doubles point and then there was four or five of the matches went to three sets and I mean that that, that match was in a balance until late until Mississippi State pulled out a bunch of three setters or basically pulled out all the three setters. UAB, I know their team, they are very improved, got a bunch of great athletes, they got the coach, you know, he's fired up, that guy's intense, he's got them playing hard. Mississippi State, you know, solid players, good team. SEC is always going to be tough, so these are good matches to prepare them for that SEC schedule. On a side note here, out of interest's sake, I always wonder when a team like Mississippi State is playing against UAB and UAB's number one player is playing one heck of a match at number one, losing 7-6 in the third and... At number four, UAB's got a good player who lost 7-5 in the third against Chloe Cerotti. Not sure how you say her last name. But I wonder if, if a Power 5 coach sits back and starts thinking, hey man, I, I should be reaching out or someone should be reaching out to that girl because they would be looking good, number four or five in my lineup. And that's the part that scares me being a mid-major coach when you have some good players or you have a good team, I'm not too excited anymore to go and play these Power 5 teams. Because um, if you got a good player, after a while you're recruiting the players on your own team, especially now with cost of attendance, especially now with the NIL. You know, things can get real uncomfortable for good mid-major programs with regards to Power 5 teams poaching the players. You throw the transfer portal in the mix. Recruiting your own players has become a lot more important these days. Last one, last but not the least. 
Uh, threw this one in there. Yeah, Oklahoma beat Missouri. Yes, it was 7-0. I think we all know how good Oklahoma did last year. Audra Cohen, a former mid-major coach, by the way, doing a phenomenal job at Oklahoma. Beat up on Missouri. 7-0, Missouri, one of those lower-tier Power 5 programs. But I actually think, you know, looking at the scores, Missouri should feel good about it. It looked like they played a tough doubles point. It looked like at number 1, 3, and 5, it was extremely competitive. So those are good signs for Missouri. Missouri in one of those tough spots as well. That non-conference schedule is probably extremely important, is extremely important, because once they get to the SEC schedule, and it's it's going to be tough to pick up wins. Now, now, obviously, there's a flip side to it. If you do pick up wins within the SEC, you're going to build a nice little ranking. But step one is you first got to get those wins. That's the end of segment two. Like I said, that's going to be the bulk of things. Uh, as as next week, I'm sure there's going to be some great matchups. Um, I'll try and cover the most important ones, in my opinion, what I think is important. From a podcast standpoint, the mid-major matchups, um, the lower-tier Power 5 programs who are challenging the top-tier Power 5 programs. That's interesting to me. And, and like I said, I'm going to try and talk about the teams who no one else talks about. But having said that, let's move on to segment three. Okay, segment three, the home stretch. This is where, depending on how much time I have, because I want to keep this podcast less than 30 minutes. Um, this is where I'm going to give you a little breakdown, a little conference breakdown. I'm going to try and cover all the conferences like I said, I've been in this industry a long time, so I know most of the teams, um, and I'll give you my input. And these mid-major conference schedules and conference tournaments are extremely important. That's where coaches earn their paycheck. You know, that's there where they keep that hope alive to go to the NCAA tournament. The first conference, and I'm only going to do one today is the Southland. Now, that's a tricky one because teams have been chopping and changing in this conference, so I hope I'm not leaving anyone out. But you've got to start the Southland talking about Texas A&M Corpus Christi. They won that tournament last year. They are a traditional powerhouse within the Southland. And to be honest, they compete at a national level as well. Those are the teams that I actually admire. Coach Steve Moore, don't know him personally, but it sounds like he does a phenomenal job. Year in, year out, they get some great mid-major talent, and I'm sure beginning of the season, they probably have a team to beat. Um, after that, you got Northwestern State. Northwestern State actually won their regular season in the Southland last year. They got a coach over there, Jonas Brobeck. I got to um, learn to know him a little bit in the last year and a bit. Man, this guy's intense. He's into it, and he looks like a tennis junkie. He's got that team competing extremely hard, and I won't be surprised if they heavily challenge Texas A&M Corpus Christi this year. Before I get to the rest of the teams, 
there's a couple of teams in there. Houston Christian, Texas A&M University, Commerce, Bryant, New Jersey Institute of Technology. I do not know much about those teams. Um, I'm going to dig into it a little bit. I'm going to keep an eye on those teams. And if it looks like they're going to challenge within a Southland, I'm definitely going to circle back to them. But let me get back to the rest of the teams in the Southland. you got University of New Orleans, Coach Burzis. He's always got some good talent over there. It's going to be interesting to see if they can build on a couple of good years they have had recently because they've been one of the top teams there in the Southland. Another team, Lamar. Coach David Wong, don't know how many people know him. That guy is a mid-major legend. He is intense as hell. He's tough on his players from a distance. Looks like those teams play extremely hard. Interest. I'm always curious to see how Coach Wong and his team does. Next in line, you got Nickel State. My guy, Greg Harkins. Nickel State is much improved. Coach Harkins used to be at Louisiana Lafayette. He had some good, good, solid teams at Louisiana Lafayette when he was in the Sun Belt. Um, he's one of those guys, I mean, in, any coach like him, I respect. Um, doing both teams, he does a men and a women's team. I actually did it one year, and that nearly killed me. Never again will I ever do that. So when I see a coach like Coach Harkins, who's traveling with a men and a woman, Separate practices, all that good stuff. I mean, I respect the hell out of him. Um, next, Southeast Louisiana. My guy, another legend in my eyes. Mid-major legend. Um, Southeast Louisiana, they used to dominate the South, uh, um, the Southland a bunch of years ago. And I, I have this feeling that um, Southeast Louisiana is on the way up. It's going to be interesting to see how they do this year. We actually play them this year, so uh, what I hope they're not too good. Um, and then last but not least, I've got McNeese State. They used to be good about a couple of years ago, and I actually think they won that conference. But they've been struggling a little bit. Um, it's been quite a coaching carousel over there. Hope whoever's a coach here right now. We'll stay for a while because I think, as we all know, you need continuity if you're going to have success. Well, that's it for the Southland. It's going to be interesting to see how that conference plays out. Like I said, the segment three each week, depending on the time, I'm going to break down one or two conferences. We'll circle back to a bunch of the conferences, see how they're doing, and see if there's any surprises out there. Let me get in the last word over here, guys. Because like I said, I want to keep it less than 30 minutes and I'm actually right at 23 minutes and 30 seconds. We are off and running with the season. Plenty of matches coming up this weekend. I'm off and running with this podcast. Like I said, um, the quality, I'll, I'll listen at it. But this is one take. You know, I'm, I'm just putting out some content. As I push out more content, the quality will get a little bit better. It'll probably have a little bit better flow to it, a little bit structure. But the bottom line is, if you want to hear about women's college tennis and you're tired of hearing about the usual suspects, the North Carolinas, etc., 
this is a place to come to. You know, I'm going to cover it all. I'm going to try and talk about teams that you'll be like, hey man, I didn't know about that. I'm going to talk about some coaches. Hopefully in the future, I can get some people to join join me, some of these mid-major coaches. I mean, I'll, I'll speak to the Power 5 coaches as well. For the time being, as I try and get this thing off its feet, it's going to be me. I'm going to be a lone ranger. And I'm just going to talk tennis. Um, I appreciate if you listen to this, that you took the time out of your day, twenty less than 25 minutes. We'll have a little Instagram page and a Twitter page, but um, where you can hopefully track down this podcast. But I'll be pushing them out every week. I'm, I'm going to try and aim to have it come out on a Tuesday or Wednesday as quick as they can be uploaded. And we'll look forward to the next week. Good luck with everyone's season out there. And if you want to talk tennis, if you want to listen to someone talk tennis, tune in to the rest of us tennis podcasts. Over and out.